Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, drive a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to The Rock Focus. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um. Well, my name is Virginia. That's what everybody calls me. I write under the name J.V. Cajano because I have a hyphenated first name. Uh. My actual legal first name is Julie Virginia, because my parents had an argument that lasted nine months. So <laughs> uh, it says Julie Virginia on my birth certificate, but everybody calls me Virginia. Ah, okay. So was that your mother's or your father's choice? Um, Virginia was my mother's because I'm named Virginia's for my maternal grandmother, and Julie ah. was my dad's choice. Ah, okay. So your mother actually won the battle. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your writing. Uh, I write mysteries. Uh, they focus mostly on murder, probably because I was raised on Agatha Christie. Ah. Um, I remember one time uh, my mom, because they used to read to us when we were little, mm-hmm. and my mom said to my dad, I have to finish the dishes, so um, go put Virginia to bed. The, the book we're reading, it's next to the bed. It's got a marker in it. And he came back out with Agatha Christie's and then there were none. And he's like, um, Janice. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, it's fine. We're on chapter three, like two pages and she'll be asleep. Just, just go. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> what exactly do you write? Um, Well, the series I'm working on right now uh, is a mystery writer who is trying to write and have a life while murder is happening around her. Mm. Um, The the first book, which is the only one out, I'm working on the second one, uh, at wit's end, she... uh, things start to happen and she's trying to ignore them up until the point that somebody finds a body and she's like, okay, maybe I have to pay attention to this. (laughs) That's, that's a good idea because occasionally I have read cozies and people are eager to look Mm -hmm. for things that are wrong and they're always hunting, you know, dead bodies. And and I'm like, this is not real life because people in real life, some of them, I read them and I'm like, this is good, but does your main character not have a day job? <laughs> or a family? <laughs> Laundry? Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Based on the amount of laundry I do, I'm pretty sure that there are people living here that I have not met yet. <laughs> that's funny. I really like that. So what is the, the name of your series and what's the title of your first book? Uh, the title of the first book is At Wit's End. Um, I haven't really settled on a series title yet. 
I've, uh, I've tried several things out and not like them. Uh, the second one that I'm working on right now is going to call be called Portrait in Blue. The, um, in the first book, I mentioned uh, her great-grandmother's portrait. And then the second book is going to revolve around that portrait. Ah, so there's a strong connection between each one of the books, not just the protagonist and her circle of uh, team, uh, but also there's a link that connects one to the next. Yeah, I like to have a reason for my protagonist to be interested because mm-hmm. there's always this traditional, oh, well, they were there when it happened. So, you know, they have to figure out, but sometimes reading a story, I'll be like, but why do they care? They yeah. were there when it happened, but what is their emotional connection to this? And what is the impetus that's driving them forward into the investigation? Yes, I see that. I see that quite a good bit. Now, are you traditionally published or indie published? I am indie published. Um, I made the attempt with traditional publishing and we did not see eye to eye. Ah. Um, The one that uh, gave me a full manuscript request, they were like, well, you need to change this, this and this. So I changed that. And then they decided they didn't want it after all. Mm-hmm. and I decided that that was okay because the changes I made it ended up not being the story I wanted to tell yeah mm-hmm. so I went back to my original manuscript and I self-published but it's been kind of interesting because um my debut novel came out just as the pandemic started Ooh, that made it difficult yeah so all the person things you usually do to market a book were Mm -hmm. off the table and at the time I was trying to finish my master's in library science Mm -hmm. and I had two kids distance learning from my dining table while my sister was working from home at the other end of the dining table and (laughs) trying to pretend that we were not doing a third grade science experiment literally two feet from her. Like making a volcano and she's trying to concentrate on her work. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's trying to make phone calls and sound professional and you can hear me in the background. No, no, the vinegar. No, that's too much. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were going the indie route, did you hire a developmental editor or a content editor or a line editor to help you through that um, process? I hired a development not a developmental I hired um words wow (laughs) words have just gone right out of my head um I think it's copy editor yes Mm -hmm. yes and um the one I hired she was recommended by a friend and we got along really well but um I don't know if it was my error or her error, error, or at some point, you know, one of the programs we put it through just burped like computers do. But mm-hmm. when I originally released, the Kindle version had a lot of um, uh, errors in it. Yeah. So this summer, I, I pulled it down and I re-edited everything and republished. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and that this time I had um, a friend who professionally uh, proofreads. I had her proofread right. it for me, and mm-hmm. then I re- read it again. And then just to be extra sure, I had my mom read it again. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have three people that I depend upon, and then I myself take it through three different proofreads with the corrections yeah. between each one of those. Um, and still something gets passed because something mm, always gets passed always always and it's you see it six months after the book is out and you're going like oh my word this cannot be <laughs> but it is so how did you find your cover uh, did you develop yourself or did you find a designer um I had a designer when I first published mm-hmm. um there was a lot going on and I was like, um, this involves skills that I don't have, and mm-hmm. I'm not really inclined to learn. Right. So I went through a company here. They've su- since gone international, but mm-hmm. uh, their first office was here in Anchorage mm-hmm. uh, called Beacon Media, and they did all the layout and wow. formatting and cover design for me. And I do really love my cover. Oh, I like that. So is, her, is, is your protagonist's name Wit? Um, no, her last name is Evan Jones. She has a hyphenated last name. Mm-hmm. Um, the neighborhood where she lives, um, it was originally an estate owned by the Wits, and mm-hmm. they called their estate Whitmore. Ah. So when her great-grandfather bought the property from them and built his own house he called it wit's end uh, i like that that's that's clever to work it with that way um so that that would be good and i did like that cover i thought that was really good it's uh, a good standout with the title standing out and everything and you had that mysterious aspect of the, the darkness and and the fading staircase in the background that's that's really like good the I like the monochrome effect. I think I might go for that effect with the second book. I think I might go for kind of a, a blue monochrome. It would create a branding aspect yeah. across the series, and that would be good. So when you're starting to write a book, what is your process? How do you start with the, the how do you get the idea onto the paper, one could say? Um, I start with the crime. Um, my first book uh i started with there is a case in england uh called bella and the witch elm where they these boy scouts found a skeleton while they were bird hunting for bird nests they found a skeleton in a tree and i i took the skeleton in the tree idea and i went with that by the time by the time i was done mary and bella had nothing in common but that was where i started Ah, mm -hmm. and then the second one, um, I knew I wanted to do something about her, about the portrait, but I was like, ah, stealing, having it stolen, that's, there's only many, so many ways to go with that. Mm-hmm. So, and at the same time, my friend Falcon, I was talking to him about the painting because I decided the artist was John Singer Sargent because I just mm-hmm. picked an artist from the period that I liked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so 
the portrait in her dining room is somewhere between 25000 and $50 million. He's like, do you want time-traveling Nazis? I'm pretty sure that's how you get time-traveling Nazis in your dining room. <laughs> but um, so what I've done is I've decided that rather than stealing it outright, someone is selling a forgery of it. So oh. she has to figure out how who made this forgery of her grandmother's portrait mm -hmm. why somebody would go to all that trouble who it actually belongs to is the portrait in her dining room still her portrait yes or was it switched with the forgery um, yeah which considering how many people were in and out of her house in the first book was entirely possible <laughs> now where are your books set are they in alaska they are not in Alaska. Um, they are set in a, an imaginary town, which is mm -hmm. uh, several places mashed up together. And then mm -hmm. I set it in Northern Washington because when she fierce, first appeared in my head, she told me that the house she inherited was Art Nouveau and there mm -hmm. is no Art Nouveau architecture in Alaska. We have wow an Art Deco movie theater, but we don't really run to Art Nouveau. And she was like, no, no, I'm sorry. Art Deco is not going to cut it. It has to be this style. And I was like, well, then you're going to have to live in another state. <laughs> I love how you're ordering your character around. <laughs> That's funny. So what is your process in getting the story? Do you, do you set out an outline and follow an outline? Are you basically a plotter or a pantster? Because I'm a pantster I we tried to be a plotter and stifled myself. <laughs> I try to be a plotter. I think I'm more of a pantser. Um, I have a very vague outline and mm -hmm. then what looks like the wall in a serial killer's house. There are pictures and tacks and <laughs> arrows. Um, it's normally in chunks, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I will see scenes or pictures in my head. So mm -hmm. I will try to get the ones that I see down first and then I'll figure out how they go together because if I wait till I know how they go together, they're gone. Oh, mm -hmm. So you don't write a chronological story. You're pretty much like a puzzler, putting the pieces here and here and here and then you're starting to fill in all those scenes. Um, as you need them. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I start with the crime. If, if I don't know what's, what the crime is, then I, I really, I don't know where I'm going, but once I, okay, this is, and then what really interests me is, well, why would someone do that? Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of series now that deal with serial killers, mm -hmm. but a serial killer has a very, I feel, one-dimensional motivation. Right. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. He has an obsession. Whereas I'm more interested in what makes what makes an ordinary person mm -hmm. commit that crime. Someone yeah. who hasn't done something like that before. Why do they break Whereas, that basic law? With a with a serial criminal it's like the crime or the pat the pattern is their motivation right mm -hmm. yes 
I totally get that. Now, had you Which, always it written... still makes for a good story. It's just not how my mind works. Okay. Had you always written little little snippets of stories here and there, and you decided to write a novel, or how did that come about? Um, I have always written little bits. Um, they tried in school to make me write short stories, but I'm not very good at short stories. I try to shove too much into them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after college, I was like, I don't actually have to write a short one. I could, I could make it as long as I want. I could mm -hmm. write a book. And um, I actually started with a story that's not, ended up not being my first novel because it's not finished yet that mm -hmm. I want to go back to because um, I wasn't really liking the way it was turning out. So I started another project. And now that I've, I've learned more from those other projects, I think I can make that first project go more in the direction mm -hmm. that I want. Right. So do you have any other unfinished manuscripts tucked away here or there? Ah, <laughs> uh, three or four. <laughs> yes, that's how it was when I first started. I had all this, this here and there, and I had to put them together and decide what I wanted to do as a finished manuscript first and where I needed to go and what I needed to focus on. I have plans for... Right now I have plans for three series and an idea for a fourth, but I'm trying to get my first series established before I split my focus that many times. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Now, do you write um, with all the other things that are pulling at you like laundry? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a set schedule of writing or do you write when you have time or how do you set that? How do you set up your day for a writing session? I try to write every day, but it works out more to when I have time. I shoot for a minimum of 500 words a day because mm -hmm. I'm, okay, that's enough. I've actually made progress. I don't have to mm -hmm. feel guilty about it, but it's not so much that if I miss a day, I'm like, oh, well, now I'm 2,000 words behind because I missed right. Tuesday. Mm -hmm. right so so that makes you uh do you have a planner that you write that down in or or how do you keep up with your 500 words a day um I keep track of my word count I look at my word count at the end of the day that's mm -hmm. one of the things I love about word that's what I've always used I know people mm -hmm. use um other programs but it I like to just it has everything I need and nothing yeah. I don't need. Right, right. I use Word myself. People keep saying Scrivener is wonderful or they talk about the new program Atticus. And I've tried Atticus and I'm not really happy with it because I keep going back to Word and it does everything that I want it to do. And it doesn't have a lot of little ticky things that might distract me. Um, yeah. Because I just I need... I need to write. I don't like programs that correct you or make suggestions because I'm mm -hmm. like, that's not what we're doing right now. I am just trying to get this out. We will we'll go back and fix it later. <laughs> but I know what I want to say and yeah. you need to stop throwing other words at me. 
Yes, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so I had an idea of four questions just shoot right across through there and then it, it's now it's gone. Um, <laughs> I hate that when it happens. Um, <laughs> here it is. I started when I first started writing. Um, I did everything longhand. And I'm making a serious effort to go immediately to the computer and write on the computer. Do you go to the computer first and write from there? Or do you have, you know, you write, sketch out the scene in longhand or what? I go to the computer first, but a lot of times if I am stuck, I will go back to longhand because just something about pen and paper, sometimes it'll, it'll trigger Mm -hmm. whatever is stuck up in my mind that I can't get out through the computer. And I, I don't know why that is other than it's more tactile and it's something that my ADHD brain needs. Mm -hmm. I think that may be mine because I can fly and I don't stop and do corrections. I just get the mm -hmm. words out and I get the ideas out. I may not even write complete sentences. Um, but when I'm on the computer, I'm always thinking complete sentences. And I think that might stymie me uh, because I usually do the visual aspect of a scene first. And then I go back in and I start fitting in my dialogue and that aspect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you find easiest about developing your ideas? Oh, easiest. Um characters because usually they show up in my mind mm -hmm. um as fully formed people mm -hmm. and then the more difficult part is sometimes getting them to stay on the plot because they're wandering around and having their lives and they're like yeah yeah dead body whatever <laughs> let me go off and do something else instead <laughs> Ah, one of my, one of the ones that's still unfinished, um, they went into a bar to have dinner and they did not come out for a month. Oh. I was, I was completely stuck. I was like, could you guys, and they're like, no, we're just, we're just going to sit here and talk about stuff that has nothing to do with the plot and eat cheese fries. And I'm like, this is not helpful. <laughs> what broke you out of their, their them in the bar? Uh, it's a terrible thing to say, but another body. <laughs> it is, that's one of my friends tells people, oh yeah, you know, her solution to any problem is throw another body at it. Um, actually the day I got unstuck, my husband was, uh, he doesn't work there anymore, but he was still working at a bookstore here in town. Uh -huh. And when I had dropped him off, I had been in a mood mm -hmm. and I came back to talk to him at lunch and his boss was like oh your wife's in a much better mood and he's like yeah she always seems to feel better after she's killed somebody <laughs> that, that that's one of the good things about writing murder mysteries you can kill people on paper <laughs> oh yeah So do you have any people lined up for the future? <laughs> oh, there, there are so, there are so many people that, um, 
I, I will actually say to my husband, oh, that person is still going down in the next book. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say names on the off chance that they read it and get mad at me, but um, in the current book, uh, someone I know is the first body and then the second murder is um, my friend was in a horseback riding accident uh -huh. because um, someone else on the trail did something stupid. So ah. the second body is the woman that did the stupid thing that got my friend hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So you're writing, uh, you've got, I guess you call it your first draft in Microsoft yeah. Word. What happens after you finish your first draft? Um, I have other people read it. I start with my mom and my sister. Mm -hmm. um, they so do you find read the first draft is pretty much finished? You don't think that you're going to have to do any major revision to scenes or anything? Um, I have them read it and tell me what they think, but oh. I usually plan to, to make changes to the first draft. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know, I was, because usually I, I try to get everything for me. It helps if I yeah. work everything out and I think I've got my story set. And then the first person who reads for me will say, I don't like that ending. And then I have to go back and I have to tinker <laughs> and revise and that kind of thing. Are they? Or they tell me so-and-so would not act that way in the middle of the book. You have to fix that. And so I can go back and fix that. But I do try to have it, what I think is, is ready to go out into the world before I hand it to them. Mm -hmm. okay. So after you've uh, made your revisions, what do you do next? Well, with the first book, I had people read it as I was working my way through the first draft because I was still mm -hmm. experimenting. I was like, does this work? Does this not work? And my sister-in-law said to me specifically when I started the second book, I'm not reading it till it's done. She says, mm -hmm. I, cause it was so frustrating. It would get really good. And then it would stop. Oh, okay. So you're, you're Whereas getting, are my you mom giving... says she doesn't care. My mom says she can read things multiple times. Right. So are you, I guess you're giving them a chapter at a time or something like that, or a book of pages at a time. Yeah, a couple of pages at a time. Um, actually, I need to send some of those out this weekend because I am about I am about forty pages in, and I think I, the last time I let somebody read it, uh, we were at ten pages. <laughs> ah, okay, so you've got quite a good bit of scenes there that you need to pass on to the. Yeah. Do you have a critique group other than your your small circle? Do you have a critique group that you run things by? I would love to have a critique group that I ran things by. Um, I have been part of, over the years, three writing groups. And um, either they decide this is not what they want to do and they move on to something else, or they move out of state. Mm -hmm. um, actually, one of my critique partners finally moved back to Alaska. And we are, because he's still unpacking, we're trying to figure out we, we can actually 
find a time to meet because now that we're in the same city, we would like to meet in person instead of doing it over the internet. Right. Like mm-hmm. we've done everything for the last three years. <laughs> that makes it difficult meeting over the yeah. internet. Um, and so once you once you have what you call a finished manuscript and you've gone through the proofing process, you start. When do you write your teaser and your blurb? I guess is what I'm saying. The book description. I have like notes and ideas kind of, mm-hmm. but I don't actually sit down and put all of that together until I finish the book. Right. I tried to write a book description early, early and early on, like in 2016, and the book changed on me. And I had to yeah. completely gut my book description and rewrite it. Um, so I now I wait for the book description, but I do start with a small teaser. My my get I guess my story idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep directing myself back to that so I don't completely stray off. Although my characters may wander into a forest, I wasn't anticipating them <laughs> encountering. Um, I asked you about, um, oh, we have 10 minutes left. Um, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> it's going fast. I'm flies. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I really don't want to uh, go over. Um, so I forgot where I was. <laughs> I think I've got brain fog. It's that monthly brain fog that we're all getting to. Uh, I asked you about what was easiest that you found about mm-hmm. writing. What do you think is the hardest thing? Some people say it's that blank page. Um, some people is com- coming back and doing a revision. Um, I think the hardest thing for me is when you have that scene that it's something your characters would do and it's a great interaction but it doesn't drive the plot forward in any way when when you have those words that are that are so perfect for that situation but maybe not for that book right right i hate i hate having to cut stuff right I hate having written eight really good pages and I'm in love with what I've said, but it doesn't develop anything about plot or character development or anything of that sort. Um, but it's really good and I want to hold on to it. And so I've got a little file of those over to the side. And so I far I have too. never gone back in there. <laughs> I've never gone back to use any of those things. But at least that way it's not gone. If you delete it, it's gone. But yes, yes. If you have it saved somewhere, there's always a chance you could stick it in somewhere. What would you say is your best tool uh, as a writer? I know you've got your your board, but what do you call your best tool to help you develop ideas or get those words on the page? I. This is. This is going to sound silly because it's something that like a high school creative writing teacher would tell you. I have a notebook that I take with me everywhere that probably would not make sense to anybody else because most of it's not even complete sentences. Mm -hmm. It's 
uh, half of a conversation. Um, this needs to go before this. Uh, I think this would make a good clue, but I need mm -hmm. to put this over here. As um, I went to meet a friend for lunch and he, he showed up while I was scribbling in my notebook and he's like, none of this is complete sentences. This is all completely random. <laughs> well, yes and no. <laughs> it has a place it goes. <laughs> has a place that it goes, but it may not make sense out of context. Yeah. Have you found that you've destroyed your handwriting and using your your little journals to sketch things out in? Yes. I used to have such good penmanship and now it's just it's all over the place and they are arrows and doodles and <laughs> things crossed out and I decided I didn't like that word, so it's crossed out and there's like six down the side of the page. <laughs> you keep ideas for your future series. Do you keep them on a notebook on the computer or do you keep them in your journals or how do you keep them? Um, I have, uh, my sister calls it my emotional support pile of notebooks. I have <laughs> the North American strategic supply of empty notebooks. <laughs> yes, I have them stacked up right here beside me. <laughs> so how do you, um, on days when you just don't feel like it? but you really know that you want to get 500, your 500 words. How do you bring mm -hmm. yourself to, to do that? Uh, a lot of times I will go back to longhand or um, I will reread some of the stuff I've written longhand and be like, well, that would fit here. And sometimes if I go back to insert something, then my brain will start to tick over and I can get restarted from there. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's right. it's very much the ADHD Corvid brain. I really I have to have something shiny. Something has to catch my attention. Mm -hmm. I've tried to do a challenge this year mm -hmm. where I would write so much each month, which kept me from being stressing too much out about days. But I think the challenge is bothering me because I'm halfway through my challenge and and I'm going mm -hmm. like I just don't want to write anymore I just don't want to do that anymore <laughs> do you ever have problems with setting the challenge or anything like that the problem with challenges is it can make it seem like a chore ah. mm -hmm. and when it's a chore I'm like I don't want to do that I want to mm -hmm. go do something else I mean, I could finish that chapter, but it would be really more fun to lay in my bed and eat Skittles and read Dorothy L. Sayers. So we're <laughs> going to do that today. <laughs> we are coming to our end. According to this, we have uh, four minutes and, um, and a bare second. Um, so is there <laughs> anything else that you want to talk about? You've been very gracious to answer my questions. You know, I can't think of anything right now. As soon as we're done, probably like 12 things are going to pop into my head all at once. <laughs> that does happen. <laughs> and that's the good thing about writing books. You can always go back and add in those. 
those little rejoinders. Yeah, that, that you- that's one of the things I really love about writing is that you don't have to have it done all at once. You can go back and fix it. Yes, exactly. So thank you so much, Virginia, uh, for agreeing to this interview. Please send me a link to your book, okay. uh, a link to your website, um, and how readers could contact you if they wanted to, what forms mm-hmm. your book is in. Okay. Um, and I hate to say this word, but I don't know another word to say, a headshot, because that's okay. not a good word for murder mysteries. Um, <laughs> I think that's the one way I haven't killed someone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.